0: And good morning, you're on Dirt Radio with Sam. I'm flying solo today, but we'll have a great interview coming up shortly. Uh, Patricia Julian is with the Mackay Conservation Foundation and we'll be talking to her very soon about the snake, the skink and Adani's dirty big coal mine that has been put on pause thanks to a legal action uh, that was pursued by the Mackay Conservation Foundation. Of course, the government's response to this has been predictably over the top. Uh, The Abbott government is now vowing to change the Environmental Protection Act to stop green groups from being able to use the law uh, to ensure that mining corporations and government uh, officials are being held to account in approval of mining licences and uh, further destruction, I guess. Uh, It's not surprising that the attacks continue on green groups. Of course, many of our listeners would know that Friends of the Earth, along with other green groups, are currently being investigated under a House of Representatives inquiry into the status, charitable status of environmental groups. Some have called it a witch hunt. Uh, Today, I've just seen an article that came out, I think it came out yesterday actually, uh, Bureaucrats Bombarded by Thousands of Email-Generated Protests from Green Groups. So uh, it seems that uh, apparently the government is now also upset because uh, members of the public, through their support for green groups, are uh, participating in democracy by clicking on petitions, letters, writing submissions for inquiries, and it seems to be overwhelming the bureaucrats. They've had to be diverted from their usual activities uh, to deal with a swarm of letters, uh, for example... The Courier-Mail states that Adani's Carmichael project alone generated 14,000 submissions. Uh, They're a little bit upset because some of those uh, submissions were actually uh, submitted via Green Group's online petitions uh, and templates. Of course, there is nothing illegal about this and in most democracies it would be considered wonderful to see so many citizens participating in something they care passionately about. However, the mining industry is not happy and as we all know, that means the Abbott government is probably not happy. Um, so so we um, <laughs> we're in a situation now where the mining industry has launched a national advertising campaign. Get this, they've launched a national advertising campaign accusing green groups of being job killers. They took our jobs Uh, while the federal government has vowed a war on jobs. Like, that doesn't even make sense. What did they mean they vowed a war on jobs to stop environmental stalling tactics? Apparently... In uh, modern Australia, the law is only for government officials and corporations. The Queensland Resource Council boss, Michael Roche, said Queensland's reputation as a mining state was suffering and companies were acutely aware that to start a mine would require a five-year struggle against red and, wait for it, green tape. So what's going on in this country? Uh, effectively, they are trying to change the law because they didn't do their job properly. So we're going to talk to Patricia now about what that exactly means. Hello, Patricia, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi, okay. thanks for coming on today. Uh, So, Patricia, I've just been, as you probably heard, talking about the fact that the government is now and the mining industry are starting a national campaign against green groups for uh, collectivism for emailing petitions through. So, you know, the attacks are never ending. uh, And I know that they certainly came out attacking after uh, the great win that you guys had. I just want you to take us back and explain to us how did this court case come about and what actually happened?
1: Oh, it goes way back. Um, I put in comments on it the, on the terms of reference for the EIS mm-hmm. uh, years ago, and um, and then that goes through um, a review process. It's given to the to the mining company, and then they produce an EIS in response, and then we get it, only get twenty business days to comment on it. So um, when we got um, the government's Uh, okay of the approval, we asked for a statement of reasons because there were various issues we were concerned about that we didn't think had been addressed. So we got the statement of reasons and when EDO, New South Wales, went through it, they found that um, uh, the uh, advice for the protection of the the two species involved, the ornamental snake and the um, Oh, goodness.
0: The Yakko? The Yakko Skink, skin, sorry.
1: Yep. Uh, they had not been uh, addressed right. uh, in the documentation presented to the minister. He hadn't seen that. So apparently they had been addressed by the bureaucrats, but the documents were missing in the in the Statement of Reasons, and it looked as though the minister hadn't seen them or addressed them. Right. So in that in that case, the federal government realised their mistake, the, the department, and um, asked the judge to withdraw. From
0: so let me get this right: they, the federal government, realised that they'd made an error. Yes. they hadn't considered all of the information and asked yes. um, for the for the case to be put on pause. Is that
1: yes, yes, yes.
0: So, you know, this is quite extraordinary then and quite a political and ideological attack for the government to then come out and claim that your your case was somehow vexatious and a pattern of behaviour by crazy, you know, radical green groups.
1: Yes, it's very extreme on their part, isn't it? Mm,
0: it's extraordinary.
1: Yeah. I think it's got more to do about being seen to create jobs in an upcoming election. You know, mm. both major parties will want to be seen as as the important job creators. So I don't think it's got a whole lot to do with us, really. Yeah,
0: so let's just put that um, myth to bed as well about the jobs. Um, now, we know that Adani, uh, their own uh, accounting department gave evidence to say there was not going to be 10,000 jobs.
1: Yes, that's right. There was uh, 1,494 was the figure that was was quoted. Mm-hmm. Um, so in actuality, it's and that's... That's very typical of these EISs. The um, they're wildly exaggerated the number of jobs that will be created because it's it's seen as a political win for the government in power to be seen sponsoring a project that would be you know a job generator. The most the most value to government is the revenue that it brings in from the royalties. Mm. So that's really what it's all about because they need the export income for the balance of payments for trade for the country. So. You know, if we've got a, 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 a boom going on, mining was certainly bringing in a lot of revenue to the state.
0: Yeah, absolutely, but at a massive consequence. Can you talk us through some of the damage that the Adani mine would create if it went ahead?
1: It would be one of nine mines built along the Ballycando River, which is a tributary to the Burdekin River. Mm-hmm. Now, there are water resource plans produced and reviewed every 10 years for the major river basins. But um, when I looked years ago, the last one I think was uh, was about uh, almost it was about eight years ago, so about 2007. When I looked at it uh, for the Galilee Basin, when we heard these mines were going to be going in, it showed that there was only going to there was very little. Um, there really were no. Comprehensive groundwater studies, surface water impact studies, um, allocation for the taking of water. You know, none of that was really seriously addressed because the focus was on the coast, mm. not, not inland, because they hadn't expected such a massive uh, impact to be coming at them. So I requested at the time that the um, the Minister for Planning at the time... Do a strategic assessment at the scale of the river basin, and he said, "Oh, don't worry about that. You know, everything will be all right." (laughs) Well, it didn't happen uh, because the what the because of mostly because of financial reasons. They want they want each each mine to pay for um, all its studies and all its impacts and that sort of thing. Well, that's no good for a cumulative assessment of the whole impact of all these mines end to end. Um, the Adani mine alone stretches, would stretch 50 kilometres. Wow. So they would they would mine and then backfill, mine and then backfill, and in the end you'd have a massive void at the end. But um, So there's all of the groundwater impacts. The, the, ba- the um, river basin itself sits on the eastern edge of the Great Artesian Basin, so there were mm-hmm. all kinds of concerns because they'd be going down some, at some depth to mine these. Um, you'd have to get rid of the overburden and then you go down to the layer of coal that's most profitable and you remove and take that so
0: so for for those people that don't understand the artesian basin is like a massive underground uh it's the biggest
1: one in the world it's a big big huge underground aquifer
0: yeah yeah and, um, and and if that gets if that gets poisoned you're talking about a huge chunk of inland queensland
1: well, groundwater is the lifeblood for the inland country, inland areas, because they they don't have much rain. Mm,
0: mm. So
1: it's as simple as that. Take that away, forget about anything else forever, because the the groundwater takings will be so big because the mines have to remove the groundwater to get at the coal seam, yeah. and so that that loss would be so big that the replenishment rate of rains coming in because uh, would be much far lower than the taking rate. So right. you'd be essentially mining the water as well.
0: And so this would also, uh, I assume, have a, a massive flow-on effect down into the wetlands and into the Barrier Reef?
1: Yes, it would. Um, the the um, minister has said, no, it won't. <laughs> federal minister has said, no, it won't. This but is
0: Greg Hunt you're yes. referring to? Yes. Yep.
1: Um, and, and, and the state, to some extent as well, have said no, because what they will do, they'll put... Um, Berms around the wastewater pits, but remember, this is all in a floodplain that can be 30 kilometres across in a big wet season, mm-hmm. and it's very shallow but very wide. And so um, they they put the berms in. They say for a thousand year flood. Okay, well, we don't really know what a thousand year flood is out west. You know, there's never been one on record. Mm-hmm. So uh, if the berms uh, fail, then the 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 water is full of heavy metals and pretty nasty, toxic. So that water would go downstream. Now, it would probably travel... The Heavy metals would probably travel in slugs downstream Mm -hmm. and probably take maybe 100 years or more to reach the Great Barrier Reef. But eventually, they would reach the reef. Some of it would reach the reef. And because they they don't biodegrade, they move up the food chain. And there's a lot of uh, species that... Go inland in the wet season.
0: Mm-hmm. They're
1: nomadic species, and they feed in those in those uh, Burdekin wetlands. It's a huge productivity area in the wet season for uh, nomadic wildlife. Right. And they're not there ever there in significant numbers, so they've got no protection under the EPBC Act.
0: Wow. Okay, so we've we've got pretty much um, also a company that has a, a very dodgy record in terms of environmental protection uh, in in India, from what I understand as well.
1: Yes, there was a, a port that they built where they, without permission, basically went in and cleared out the mangroves, mm-hmm. and the community that lived there that relied on the mangroves for a living um, was was destroyed, basically. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and they did yeah, it there. Was, it was a huge area that was cleared.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's also been discussion uh, coming through from Indian officials that they're actually looking at not supporting new coal in India itself.
1: They want to be independent financially. They want to reduce the high cost of imports, mm-hmm. which we all do in every country, and uh, they want to develop their own coal-fired power stations and mines. That was the idea, but. Within uh, five years, I believe, they were not going to be importing coal. That was the goal, mm. whether they reach it or not's another matter, mm. but um, they were also going to expand considerably on renewables, which are now cost-competitive with coal. So yeah. um, the future dust, dust, dust doesn't look good for um, imports of um, Australian coal in the long term. Maybe thermal coal, but but certainly not. I'm sorry, maybe coking um, coal, which they use in steelmaking, but not. Not the
0: thermal. Yeah. So, where where are we at now with this case? Because I know we were also. Over, overjoyed when we saw that there'd been a pause button. And, you know, I loved I, – I'm assuming you've seen First Dog on the Moon's uh, cartoon take on this where he has the skink and the snake talking. Um, you know, it's such a beautiful story. But where are we at? It's We're not out of the woods yet in terms of stopping this dirty, disastrous deal, which, by the way, I believe once the Galilee Basin is fully opened up, which Clive Palmer, I understand, has a stake in, um, it will produce – as much emissions as the UK per year?
1: Um, uh, the, the mines in the Galilee Basin, I think it's 710 million tonnes a year and I think Australia was 410 million tonnes a year. <laughs> to give you some idea of the extent of these emissions and don't forget the, the Queensland Government is allowing each mine that wants it to have a um, coal-fired power plant, a conventional coal-fired power plant, not a carbon capture and storage coal-fired power plant. Right. Uh, associated with them, so there'd be emissions from those also, and we have some um, wetlands of national significance there. The um, Buchanan Lake Buchanan to the north, Lake Galilee, a bit further south mm-hmm. of uh, Adani. So um, I'm looking at the China Stone Mine EIS at the moment, and they they want to um, they want to uh, have a coal fired power station, conventional power station as well, right. So, um, yeah, long term.
0: Um, where So where are we at with Adani? I, I understand that they, I mean, you know, there's Adani. been...
1: Adani can't get the funding.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say. My understanding is, and and I must um, also um, give a shout-out to market forces and the work of divestment campaigns of 350 and the general community, um, keeping up the pressure on big banks to really divest from these kind of projects. So there are now 12 banks, major banks, uh, both overseas and here, that have said, we're not going to touch this. So they're $17 billion short or $18 billion short of funding. Are they able to reapply for um, for the mine to go ahead without that funding?
1: No. Um, they they can still get all of their environmental improvements in place. Right. And you, you think of Gina Hancock's mine... At uh, Alpha, mm-hmm. she inherited that from her dad. That's how long these things sit in place. Yeah. They can be resurrected. We call them zombie projects <laughs> because <laughs> they can rear their head down the track years and years later. Um, so you can see how wedded to mining the state is. It's got mm-hmm. a long history of mining, it's, it's produced a lot of wealth for the country and for Queensland. But the thing is, <clears throat> we're now in a situation where we've got, uh, where we, we'd be doing a large contribution to the carbon time bomb mm. that we've got for global warming and so it's time to be realistic and and take all of that into account.
0: Mm. So what do you what do you see happening for the future of the ornamental snake and the skink do you think that they're safe?
1: No they're not we don't have a system in Queensland for comprehensive uh, ongoing environmental monitoring mm-hmm. um, there is a. There was WWF worked on a, a recovery plan under the federal legislation for reptiles in the Galilee Basin. It was around. They put out a report around 2007 and said, you know, enumerated all the threats, including mining, uh, and there was supposed that was supposed to underpin funding for research and uh, protection programs. Mm. And it's never happened to this date, in spite of us asking for it. And every time I've done. A submission on the mines in the Galilee Basin. Pretty much, nearly all of them affect the Oriental, sorry, the ornamental snake. Uh, so there you go. And the the skink itself um, is usually found in riverine habitats, you know, mm-hmm. riparian areas next to the rivers. And this these mines will be mining all along uh, the river system, right. or even within it. Uh, the alpha mine will be within it. They're doing; they do what they call river diversions, and they're quite massive in some places. And the long-term impacts of them have never been studied. There's a lack of research and monitoring and reporting, especially to the public. Um, any any monitoring that the mines do uh, is their information. They do a, they can do a monthly report on their air quality, for example, and send it into the state government, but. Um, um, the public doesn't have access, the right of access to that information. Yeah, so that, there's a lot of reform and changes that need to be done to, for the public to regain trust mm. in such projects. And they're really massive projects. In, anywhere in the world, they take a very long time to get through. Yes. It's no surprise that they're taking a long time.
0: Yes. So what happens now for Mackay Conservation Foundation and also uh, in relation to the EDO uh, who have worked on this case? Will you um, put forward further challenges uh, if, if they resubmit for approval? Uh, what-
1: well, we have to have really sound legal grounds.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not an easy matter yeah. to go to court, both financially, uh, in terms of staff time, because we're only small, you know, just a mm-hmm. couple of us there. Um, and um, EDO is also, as you know, has been defunded by yes. the federal government in this this, war, this apparent war on us. Mm. Um, so uh, whether we do that or not depends very much on what how the minister responds yep. and what we see as major issues. It was only the crowdfunding support from the community across the across the country that allowed us to be able to fund this this challenge and, and that will probably be the case in the future as well so without the public support because uh, we do this in the public interest mm. we, we cannot even hope to uh, continue
0: well, I think you've done amazing work. I understand how small you are and how hard you are all working up there. Alan Robbins, of course, used to be uh, down here working with Friends of the Earth.
1: Yes, yeah, she's from Melbourne
0: originally. She is. She is and and, and very dearly loved by people down here. So uh, we were really impressed by the work that you and the EDO have done.
1: Yes, they did a fantastic job. Hats off to them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And please keep keep up the amazing work and we'll check back in with you hopefully as this all progresses, sure. uh, and uh, I really appreciate everything that you've been working on, Patricia. Thank you very much,
1: mm-hmm. and thanks for your interest and in, uh, letting the your listeners know about what's going on.
0: You're listening to Community Radio. Three CR.
1: Three CR. 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 Eight fifty five a m.
0: And that was Patricia. Julian from the Mackay Conservation Foundation, one of the key drivers in uh, helping to point out the government's mistake in relation to the applications for environmental approval on Adani's great big dirty coal mine. As Patricia stated, it is not out of the woodworks yet and certainly not for the endangered species such as the ornamental snake and the yakka skink. We'll be back shortly to wrap up today's show. You're on 3CR Dirt Radio. The Melbourne Street Medics need your help. On Saturday the 18th of July, when we took to the streets against Reclaim Australia, Victoria Police pepper-sprayed the crowd. We treated more than 100 people, and we're asking you to donate to help restock our kits and train up new medics.
1: We believe in empowering people
0: to fight for a better world. Please help us to care for those who stand up for our rights.
1: Please go to ozcrowd.com and search for Melbourne Street Medics, or go to the Melbourne Street Medics Facebook page for more information on how to donate. Politicians and mainstream media are fueling anti-Muslim hate. Attacks on Muslims are increasing and the fear is causing some women to restrict their movements. Worse, an anti-Muslim political party is launching in October. It's time for people who oppose bigotry to organise. Stand up and speak out against Islamophobia. Sign the statement at www.voicesagainstbigotry.org and ask others to do the same. Don't be a bystander. Voices Against Bigotry is a 3CR supporter. This is
0: David Rovix and you are tuned to 3CR, 855 AM, Melbourne, Australia.
1: Step three is finding there's a tactic
0: when everyone believes it could be true. That if all the people work collectively, there just might be something
1: we can do and everything can change. It's time to roll your sleeves up and get your hands dirty with Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio.
0: That's right, you're on Dirt Radio. I'm Sam and this is a Friends of the Earth-sponsored show. We were talking today to Patricia Julian from the Mackay Conservation Foundation uh, about the court case that, of course, has put a pause on Ordani's Pl- Adani's plans uh, for their big dirty coal mine. Uh, interesting to note from Patricia's interview, uh, actually it was the government that realised they'd made a mistake uh, and put a pause on it. So uh, you can see how much political spin has been used to then use that to try and change the Environmental Protection Act Uh, so that green groups effectively can't advocate or mount legal challenges uh, on behalf of all Australians. In other news relating to the environment, uh, we've had some extraordinary things happen over the last couple of days around state and territory-based renewable energy targets. Uh, The Labor government here in Victoria has committed to a V-Ret, although it's perhaps not as much as we would like and we would hope that they will look towards our ACT friends uh, to see that we can do a lot more than 20 odd percent Uh, the ACT has just declared that it is divesting completely from fossil fuels and is looking to go 100 renewables so yay to the ACT government that seems to be in such contradiction with its federal counterparts that dwell in its land. Uh, As we all know, the Abbott government has continued its attacks and keep an eye out for those great mining industry advertisements coming up, which are basically we think going to say that green groups are after your jobs. Uh, of course, we're not. Friends of the Earth, along with many environmental groups in Australia, understand that human beings are central to the solutions uh, for for what we're facing at the moment in relation to climate change. There is a pathway. We know how to get there. We just don't seem to have the political will uh, because of the strange and uh, very close relationships between the mining industry and the current federal government. You don't have to look far to see those connections. In fact, Clive Palmer, who also has an investment in the Galilee Basin, uh, is sitting in Parliament. Interestingly, he was one of the few people that went on the public record to state uh, that you have to accept the umpire's decision in relation to uh, the pause on Adani's mind, uh, unlike the federal government who came out swinging, calling us radical, vexatious job stealers. Uh, that's certainly not what we believe uh, this is about, and I think it's a false argument to claim that you have to choose either renewable energy, sustainable living uh, to avoid cataclysmic climate change, or the economy. Uh, over and over again, it's been shown that there is very much jobs in renewable and sustainable energies and the whole world is moving that way. It will be interesting to see how the Australian Government presents itself at the Paris Climate Talks later this year.